Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Facility Dude Podcast. Here's your hosts, Bob Papa Dude Bittner and Ray Karawala. Hey guys, welcome back to our Facility Dude Podcast. This is Ray Karawala. I'm here with Bob. Bob, Tim was nice enough to come back and join us today this week. Yeah, I'm really glad that uh, Tim's back here with us. And uh, Tim, we really appreciate uh, your expertise in filling it in and sharing with our clients uh, the opportunity. Um, we talked uh, last week uh, about you know what is involved with a performance contract, how do you go about doing it, who should you contact, and so forth, and the types of systems and equipment that you would look at. Uh, it, it seems to me that uh, we really the the, the uh, value to the client really is in a different uh, uh, in in a different way a financial model for getting work done that really you don't have to go out for new bonds you don't have to go out for new tax dollars uh, it's really kind of a financing model uh, if if I might use that term I mean, is, is that a fair term to a, a fair assessment of a performance contract yes uh, Bob it, it is probably in my opinion one of the most powerful ways of assembling capital and taking what was previously wasted in energy and operating funds and using wasted previously wasted money to build capital. Uh, I don't know of any other programs out there that, that allow you to do that. So let's say I can you, you can find a million dollars worth of savings. Let's just use that for a for an easy number to work with. Uh, if I if you can find a million dollars of operational savings, how much construction, how much equipment can you be replaced? How many roofs can you replace with that million dollars? Obviously if it's just a million dollars, that that may not go very far in doing a major retrofit in a building or several buildings. How does that uh, how does that translate into the amount of work that you can physically do? It really depends on the overall blended payback, Bob, from all the fast and slow payback measures that you perform. But a general rule of thumb, and there's a lot of assumptions here, uh, but assuming that the finance term is 15 years, which is a really good point to be at because there's lots of bank competition and the rates are very low. If you've got a 15-year term and you have rates at 3% or below, you'll be able to leverage $12 of capital into every dollar saved annually for the term. Wow, so if it's a million dollars, you can do $12 million worth of work yes. for that million dollars. Yeah, here's a few other rules of thumb that might make you dangerous and might make you uh, well, better uh, understanding of the leverage capabilities here. Is that if you save a 30%, if you have a if you have a 10 million dollar energy budget, you save 30%. That's three million dollars times 12 is 36. So it doesn't always work out this way, but as a rule of thumb, 25 to 35% savings is very very common, and 12 times an annual savings is a great indicator of the kind of leverage you might have available in financing. So for North Carolina. The credit in most of these local government units and, and state agencies is triple A. The worst I've seen is A plus, and a rate we just procured in April of 2015 for a six million dollar deal was 2.22 percent. Wow, that's a good good rate. Right, it's, it's cheaper than they're able to get to the, from their bond issuances for raising capital for building new schools. So uh, that the money for North Carolina is, is very very inexpensive. And other states with good credit, too, will have a benefit of very low borrowing costs and very high amount of leverage. Well, Tim, so you, you were talking banks and financial institutions. 
are you just the mechanism to help get that financing from because of being an ESCO? We don't really borrow the money from Brady Train. Brady Train doesn't put the money up. It's really a bank and funded by a bank. Is that correct? In all of our projects so far, it's been bank-funded financing. That's not to say there aren't other vehicles out there because there are. Some energy service companies might use a combined instrument, an energy service contract plus a financial agreement, and the rates tend to be a little bit higher, but that vehicle is, is the ESCO bringing the financing to the project. Uh, and, and once the project's completed, depending on where you are, uh, rebates then become potential financing source that's presently unavailable. If you can't make the investment in the energy efficient measure, you can't harvest the rebate either. So we'll see 5% uh, roughly of the project uh, come back as, in the form of a rebate, which is free money that can go towards the project as well. Um, other sources of funds might be federally subsidized QZABs or QECDs, energy conservation bonds. In some areas, some states will have a master fund where they're able to borrow against it or a green fund, something like that. So the sources of funding, generally speaking, are available, they're plentiful, they're low cost, and until you start to really realize that, you, you really have no idea of the money that, that you, you could borrow, and it's, it's, it's really pretty exciting. So you, you've been using, throwing out some acronyms and some terms there that maybe our audience is not really familiar with, so that might be a real advantage to take to talk to a ESCO that really is knowledgeable about these different funding sources as opposed just to going down to your local bank and saying, I want this and, and give me some money. But because there might be some free money available, yeah. is that what I'm hearing to put towards that project, some rebates that bring all those, those financial vehicles together right. uh, that you guys study and understand all the time it can bring to the client. Yeah, we, we know um, of most, if not all, the sources of funds, and we um, are very good at connecting the client with those sources of funds, because really, in the end, it's really about the money. It's about the capital. And the longer I spend this business, the more I realize how hard it is for our clients to get capital, but yet they're throwing away uh, energy and operating dollars every day. And so when you spend a dollar on energy today, that's gone, nothing to show for it tomorrow other than the building was cool today. Yeah, exactly, and you're, you're really taking what was being paid to the utility company and you're paying the bank. And that, then I could take that dollar that I threw away yesterday and I could get $12 back for some improvement that would last 15, 20 years down the road. Yes, that's exactly right. Tim, so let's say we've, at, we've, we've gone through the process of finding this capital. How do you actually go ahead and verify the savings that ESCO is saying can be projected here? Sure, that's a great question, and it comes up early in, in most of our discussions. So there is a uh, organization called the Efficiency Evaluation Organization, or EVO, and you can find EVO on the website. And EVO is supporting the um, international protocols for measurement and verification, it's called the IPMVP. So the protocols are the basis for how the savings will be measured and reported. The ESCOs don't invent their own, they all draw from this protocol or ones very like it, very much like it. What governmental oversight is there on these performance contracts now, particularly from a financial model that maybe the government has put into place, like you just said here about some of the standards? Sure, that's a great question because there are uh, probably four sets of eyes that look at these deals in this state. Other states might be slightly different, but we have, of course, our experts, engineering experts and legal experts. The client will have a third party uh, engineering firm that understands these projects and knows 
measurement verification and other um, elements of the contract. Then there's a governmental agency, usually a state energy office is involved. And then for North Carolina, we also have Treasury. So it's a local governmental commission that reviews a final approval, has final approval authority for these projects. And they look at and scrutinize every element of the financing and make sure that the guaranteed savings at least match or exceed what the annual costs are going to be, principal and interest and other service um, elements of the contract. So is it similar across the country? Uh, is it different? I know that each state has some regulations, but by and large, uh, does some independent uh, organization within the state usually look at these for, particularly for the public sector? Uh, they do, and, and you might find a lot of information at the uh, Energy Services Coalition website, or ESC. There you'll find state templates, you'll find lots of information that is uh, much broader than just North Carolina that your clients could uh, draw information from and get educated on understand where the ESCOs are, who they are, how the process works, things of this nature. Tim, you talked about some of the state oversight of this, uh, and, and we've kind of been referring to, and I know that you have, uh, your experience has been a lot in the public sector. How does this apply in the private sector? Is that, is it as applicable in a, for a healthcare institution that's not a public entity? Uh, can a, can a private organization uh, take benefit of a uh, of a performance contract. Absolutely, that's true. They can, and they look at capital, however, differently than public sector. Public sector, for the most part, wants to break even. They want to make sure they have the revenue to offset their expenses. Whereas private sector is more profit focused, and the sources of funds becomes different. Oftentimes, uh, sometimes it's external capital. Oftentimes, it's internal capital. So the argument has to be made that this investment is better than perhaps another that might affect production or other elements of the business. For healthcare, there's a real need for energy conservation because their operating margins are so low. And sometimes access to capital is very limited. So an ESCO may bring the money to those, to those deals and they may offer that as part of a, a shorter term pay for from savings project. But different than just operating savings, there's investment here also, and, and the money would come from the energy service company. Tim, I know there's a lot of organizations out there that, that uh, try to stretch their dollars, and they might have some money available to do something. And typically, organizations like to put their money where things show, like painting or new carpet or things, and the things behind the walls remain. And so the cost of energy still stays high, the building might look new, but they, the cost of operating it is still remain high. Is there a, a vehicle through this financing that you can take part of the money uh, that they're doing a renovation with, combine it with a performance contract so they can get both the energy savings, new equipment, uh, new HVAC, along with the glitz of paint and carpet and walls and new things? Is there, a, is there kind of a blended model out there that you've seen that works? There, there is, um, and we've used it uh, a few times here in North Carolina in that there's, there's some funds available, but not nearly enough to make uh, the kind of impact that the, that the client may need. So in cases where there is capital available, we'll recommend that they use that money to uh, supplement the performance contract, not directly into the contract, but uh, separately with another contract bought through traditional means. In North Carolina, that would mean informal bidding or formal bidding or 
even a cooperative purchasing agreement, which, which we use, which is called TCPN, and then fund the very slow payback items or no payback items with that source of funds, and then use performance contracting to fund the measures that have payback so that, that the payback indeed covers all the financial commitments and other commitments as part of the performance contract. So the two together, uh, to give you an example, one school, we weren't able to really make the kind of impact that we wanted to. They had an old steam boiler system. They had through-the-wall units, like hotel units that were air conditioning the classrooms. It was noisy. It was ineffective. There was no outside air. When, and when we took the performance contract savings, along with the money they had in budget, then we were able to uh, replace all of the glass around the school to put in all new ducted systems with roof-mounted uh, units, um, one per classroom, all new lighting, all new ceilings. And, and so the school was completely transformed where it could not have happened unless we would have approached it with a dual funding source. It worked out beautifully. And it, the, the glitzy stuff probably would have gotten done because that's what everybody sees, right? Yeah, there's, <laughs> a lot of cases. yeah there's, there's a lot of emphasis on things like that, but you're right. The things that are behind closed doors are not seen every day tend to be funded last. And, and Tim, can any company offer a performance contract offering? Any company, not in North Carolina, uh, they have to be pre-qualified through the energy office. And there's presently a list of maybe 12 or 13 companies that have gone through the process and that meet all the requirements of the state to actually uh, bid on and perform performance contracts and work here. Other states uh, may or may not have that requirement. I'm not sure, uh, but they but they can check the ESC website or, or even some local state websites to, to know. Either way, if there, if there is not a qualifications process, then... There's more of a burden, I think, on the owner to understand, are they uh, seriously able to perform this and give me the results that I'm expecting and hoping for? And not. so you would, you would really recommend to people, even outside of North Carolina, where it might not be a requirement, really to do their homework, mm-hmm. to understand, have they done this before? Are they financially back to be able to do this? I'm sure a company like Brady Train still has to meet some kind of financial obligation even to have gotten on that list. Uh, originally. That's right. And there's other certifications for energy service companies too. And NAESCO is uh, is one of them. So if they're NAESCO certified, you know very well that indeed they're, they're, they're uh, qualified. NAESCO? N-A-E-S-C-O, National Association of Energy Service Companies. Okay, good. It's a very good. rigorous approval process. And that's a nationwide organization? It's actually, I think it's worldwide. Okay, good. Well, Tim, we really appreciate you uh, being here, but just to kind of wrap this up, can you kind of give uh, our clients the top two or three pieces of advice from all these interactions that you've had that people haven't moved forward, have moved forward? Give some advice, things that maybe we haven't talked about yet that really would help our clients decide if a performance contract is right for them. Sure. If you have a trusted partner, then have them look at your facilities and then look at your need and then understand is there opportunity there. I would also um, look at if, if your selection process it requires a state template that the scoring for the award of the project actually reflects your needs. I think that's really critical because oftentimes they'll, the, the default template data doesn't really reflect your needs or your desires. And you wanna shape that so that the right firm ends up with the project. My third piece of advice would be that, remember that this is not just a construction project where it is a uh, design build, which it is, but at, at the end of the design and build, there is a ongoing relationship of 14, 15 or more in the state, you can actually go to 20, 
And so you're, you're going to be with this firm for that length of time. Are they the right firm for you? Look very closely because the average marriage is seven and a half years and this is 15. So uh, it's very, very important that you select your partner wisely. I think that's some great advice, Tim. And, and that really uh, allows you to kind of get back to this, really talk to somebody that you trust uh, in this process. Yeah. Because uh, you're going to look at, at them being an advisor to you, leading you, and that you are going to be partners for a long time with this. It's the most important, I think, decision you'll make relative to a partner selection, maybe in, in your career. So it, it doesn't ba- it's not based on just financial dollars at the end of, can I get $12.5 million or $12 million of equipment replaced? But really, uh, it would be better to go with maybe even paying a little bit more money and making sure that you've got the right partner with you in this project. Yeah, I agree with you, Bob. Well, great, Tim. Tim, thank you so much for uh, being with us here again this week and sharing uh, your expertise in this. You can get a hold of us at podcast at facilitydude.com, and I'd be more than happy to connect you up with Tim, and you can spend some more time. Or if you're from a different part of the country, Tim, I know that uh, he is connected uh, all across the country with a a bunch of different people that do the same thing that he does. We can certainly get you in contact uh, with a, a reputable firm that uh, if you already don't have one that uh, that he can to help you connect with. So, Tim, thanks again for being here. We wish everybody a great day. Thank you for listening to the Facility Dude podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback about the show. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and help other facility operation professionals just like you find the show. Email your questions or comments to podcast at facilitydude.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Facility Dude. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a great rest of your week.